You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to give everybody a couple of minutes to get settled in. Uh, welcome to the CEO podcast with your host, Washington Hospitality Association, President and CEO, Anthony Antone. Today's podcast is brought to you by Earn West. I am Lisa Weinberger, and today Anthony is joined by our Director of Communications, Lex Nepomuceno, and just a bit of housekeeping. If you have a question, please feel free to drop it in the Q&A. Uh, click the button at the bottom of the screen. And we can ask it live and we're going to make this a quick 30 minute show. So make sure you go ahead and get your questions in quickly. Um, and with that, I will hand it off to Lex and Anthony. Hey, do we want to give people time to log in, Lisa, or do I just jump into it? You know, go ahead and just jump into, jump into it. We've got a, quite a few people already in. Okay. I am going to jump into this and I'll turn off the Blue Oyster Cult there in the background for whatever you may think of that. The uh, I'm going to jump into what we've got going on because there is a lot, and we've heard from many of you um, to, to keep this succinct, and we I'm going to jump into a couple of our our pillars, what's happened in the past month, and, uh, and what we anticipate happening within those pillars so you get the most advantage of your membership coming up. Um, Lex, let's start with information. You got a, a really requested toolkit and a toolkit out last month. Can you tell us about the uh, what you want to do if you want to mandate a vaccine within your own business toolkit and what's available? Well, uh, uh, yeah, a couple, couple of weeks ago, we released the uh, vaccine and mask options toolkit. Uh, and it basically aggregates all of the resources, both from within the Hospitality Association and from other uh, agencies. Uh, related to this topic. I know a lot of our members have really been struggling with you know, the best course of action to take and it's different for every member. So we deal with uh, customer facing, employee facing. Uh, so I know a lot of you have questions in regards to that. And we've had, uh, we were lucky enough to have Catherine Morissette on our board member, who's an attorney with Fisher Phillips, who did a really in-depth webinar talking about vaccine and mask options and the um, issues surrounding that. And so we also link to that from this uh, toolkit. So a ton of resources really specific to vaccine and mask options available now at hub.wahospitality.org. And I gotta say, I was that was probably our most requested, hey, can you get me some of this since early on in, in the pandemic uh, uh, information requests on um, at least what came from by my desk, probably since the outdoor dining and outdoor air stuff. So um, check it out. If it's missing something there that would be more helpful, let us know. Our job is to get you the information you need. So let us know if that's working for you. For those who are considering mandating the vaccine within your own uh, business. Um, another thing, what shout I want to give on the information side, because we want to be your primary source of information. Lex, I got a cool uh, call from a operator in Snohomish County. Um, asking about, uh, or actually wanted to say thank you for the consulting network. So she had called and talked to one of our lawyers for about a half hour uh, on an issue she was facing. And then she specifically asked for my cell phone to call me afterwards and say, thank you. So for those who don't even know that the consulting network exists, can you give people just a brief explanation of what the consulting network is? 
well, the consulting network slash advisory network uh, is basically a group of uh, consultants uh, to the association uh, who have been a part of the association for years. Um, uh, some of them you may have heard, Catherine Morissette, uh, Rick brought a number of, uh, a number of other members, uh, and they cover anything from uh, um, managing your accounting, your taxes, uh, property, um, lease issues that you might have, uh, anything related to your business. Every member is given 30 minutes um, per topic per year. So I believe we've got 12 topics in there now, again, ranging from taxes to legal affairs to um, uh, branding. Branding. Right. Yeah, we've got branding. We have technology there. Uh, so a lot of topics that you could um, take up. So a member can really take uh, six hours of basically free time uh, from these are these are top tier consultants that uh, are doing this for the benefit of the industry, not using it to get any customers because frankly all the consultants that we have in the consulting network are, are already are full with 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 clients and they're doing this really to help the industry and so uh we really are thankful for that well um check it out actually i hadn't gotten one of those calls for a while because we've been dealing with so many stuff but then uh when i talk to our membership team they're like oh yeah that is really getting used and so i'm going to go on to some other things uh on on providing you savings and helping you out um, good month for our business insurance program. Our average savings on business insurance last month was over 4,000 per new signee. So uh, I didn't think anything would ever be able to compete with our workers comp program um, as far as saving our members as much money as that did. But this insurance is off to a great start. Um, our workers comp program uh, is our sponsor today, Earn West. And so we really appreciate uh, Earn West and all our workers comp and trying to save you money um, and, and get you there. And so I know everyone looks forward to their uh, Christmas present every December of getting their uh, workers comp check from, from the association. So a couple of things else I wanna cover outside of uh, that, uh, the workforce crisis, um, they just released the July figures from ESD. Um, we are down to 50,000 workers short in our industry, down from 70. So a lot of progress was made last month in getting people hired and hopefully getting the word out that jobs were available. Still 50,000 workers short, that's still a big number. A couple of things that are gonna impact that in the upcoming months on the 4th, that is just a few days away, um, the $300 and all of the extended federal benefits run out. So depending on which unemployment insurance number you believe, somewhere between 75,000 and 200,000 workers will be available to be employed um, and will no longer be able to stay on the state system. So um, everyone should keep their ears out, keep their uh, arms open. Um, if you're still among the many folks who are short 20 to 25% of their workforce, know that it's not gonna solve all our problems. That's not enough workers to cover our, our, our entire hole in our industry alone, um, but, um, any help probably would be good help. So get in place, get in touch with your local workforce office and say, hey, I know everyone's off on Monday. How do I connect? How do I uh, get these people into my business? Also, uh, Lisa, WSU is having their intern fair. Um, this workforce shortage is going to be uh, with us for a while. Um, I believe it's virtual this year. I'll have to check that, check out the, uh, the link um, that Lisa's just put in the uh, chat. 
Um, but if you're looking to grow um, leaders, shift managers, other people, they need hours in the industry. So lodging and, and entertainment, actually anyone, uh, it, as long as it's in hospitality, they need their hours to graduate. And so this is a way to connect to those students. The workforce shortage is not just impacting us. I think all of us have been hearing of or having headaches with our suppliers. They are also now running 20% short on their workforce. Um, and they're trying to hire truckers at as fast as they can to fill their spot. I was talking to one regional person where the owner was driving a truck for the entire weekend trying to get product delivered. Um, it's just at a point where they're at. So hopefully you're all having good communication with your supplier and they're telling you what's going on and where they're at. Um, but know that they are um, woefully short on, on, on their truckers and they're trying to hire. So hopefully some of this release from ESD will um, on, the, on the unemployment insurance will help some of their woes as well. And they can start backfilling that number. I feel like Lex, sometimes we report as, well, now let's talk about the locusts. And now that we've talked about the locusts, let's talk about the burning seas. But I'm also reading the ports are now really short of workers, which is incredible to me that we'd be short on, on longshoremen. I, I know there's some union issues involved there. Uh, but now the worker shortage is starting to hit um, the ability to actually get product uh, in. Um, and that would create a further um, supplier. So I really am encouraging you to find someone in your company who is the point person on your supply chain and just open up regular communication with them. And if you're a supplier listening, figure out how to really get great information out to your customers because we get that you're short on workers, but at the same time, if we don't know until the drop doesn't show up, that is not an acceptable outcome. So hopefully we can work on, on great communication in this upcoming quarter. So, um, uh, one other update on government affairs, and let's get to what we probably wanted to talk about. Um, we are continuing to work on the eviction moratorium, um, and we've made great progress. We've helped a lot of uh, operators um, provide legal information to get the people who were forced to stay there during COVID, and then they've not been able to evict out of their hotels um, to the point of a lot of damage, and others um, have been able to finally work with local police departments to get people out. We are working with the AG's office to uh, try to get us the rest of the way there. So I would love to have good news report by the end of September, but this feels like a block by block exercise in, in trying to get all the way through what's really been plaguing a lot of the lodging industry for much of the month. Let's talk about some good news uh, in, in GA and otherwise, the Department of Commerce and uh, the Washington Tourism Alliance should sign their agreement on the $12 million in tourism funding this next week, which means uh, marketing our industry and getting people into the state and starting to look towards the future for tourism um, has got a, um, a big boost in the arm. Um, I'm also anticipating um, September, maybe early October, um, us unveiling Washington's, not us, us collectively, the Washington Tourism Alliance, unveiling Washington's new brand that we will be marketing to the state. So that is um, getting closer. Um, they've been working really hard with some great consultants. Yes, I got a preview. Yes, it's really good. Um, and I'm excited about where they're headed. Um, and so hopefully we'll be able to unveil um, Washington's new brand that we'll be using to get people into your restaurants, lodging and business, um, entertainment businesses for the upcoming year. 
So when that comes out, if you do have a marketing person, you might want to see how you align with that so you can get ride some coattails. All right. Those are my updates, Lex. Before I get into COVID um, and talk that, was there anything there that I talked way too fast about that you want me to go a little slower and explain differently? Uh, no, I think uh, one thing to point out, though, with that tourism, isn't that more money than when the tourism office closed several years ago? So there's, that's a good infusion into the industry. The 12 million is the is the biggest one time shot we've ever had into uh, the system. Absolutely. And it's really good news. It is one year <laughs> when we're back to the smaller number, but um, we will take the one year. Um, it's been a long time since we've had a refreshed brand for our states. Um, and I want to be really careful that I don't do any accidentally tipping off. I don't want to be like the guy from Marvel who accidentally tipped an Easter egg, right, in an interview. But uh, it is good. I'm excited about it. This is not a say why moment. For those who remember the disaster of say why, this is going to be a, a, a positive moment. All right, let's get into COVID and, uh, and really focus the last part of our podcast on where we're at with COVID and what's going on there. Um, I'm still going to plead with people to get vaccinated. Um, in our highly vaccinated counties, we're we're doing really good, but we're probably hitting a plateau. I'm not sure how much higher than 85% someone can get, but there's three or four counties that are in the 80s, and they're doing really, really well. In the other counties, and we have a lot of counties in the in the 50s and 60s, and then a lot of the rural counties in the 30s, we still have got a long way to go to get people vaccinated. And ultimately that is our way out of this. Um, and we're hoping for more and more people to, to take that, that road. On COVID itself, last week we reached an all-time high for the seven-day rolling average for new COVID cases at 3,200 cases uh, as the rolling seven-day average. That beats um, December's high of 3,100 cases on the rolling seven-day average. And so we are at a, at a really high point. That's the negative news. The positive news is it's plateauing. So we've been um, at 3,000 now for about uh, five days. And we've been coming down from 32. We came back down to 31 and, 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 and now 3,000. That's still a lot of cases per day. And those are still, in any other time, we'd say that's bad news. But the fact that we're plateauing is good. Uh, but I'll talk about what that plateau means for where we go from here and what we need to watch. Obviously, the spike in the numbers caused the governor to uh, reinstate the mask mandate uh, for indoors. And, and that was as far as the governor did go for our industry in August. And, and the approach for the governor's office in August in our regular conversations with the governor's office was, yes, this is an all-time high so far, but we have options to us that we did not have in our all-time high in March um, and December and other months prior. And that is, there is a vaccine. The vaccine is widely available. It is free. There's no delay. We don't want to punish people um, who are choosing to do the right thing um, in closing their restaurants and closing their opportunities um, because there are people choosing to not take advantage of the vaccine and that that vaccine is the option it is available. And those were not available uh, last winter for many people. So because of that approach, they, uh, they did a, uh, what I call a measured move on the mass mandates and, and, and took that step. They're also taking steps to get more people vaccinated. I think you've seen um, their steps with schools, 
and uh, the healthcare industry and now state employees. And, and that's really where they're focused in the moment. So that's kind of looking backwards on August. Let's talk about what's gonna happen in September. That plateau is great. And, and there is a theory that because so much of this, uh, that, of this outbreak is among the unvaccinated, and the unvaccinated is down to 27% of Washington, that it's really concentrated in that group. And therefore, that group's gonna get it and it's gonna come back down at a really fast number. And that is a good theory. And I think that's what a lot of us are hoping for. There's no reason to, to say that's not going to happen. But there are things to watch. Um, unfortunately, we're hitting this plateau with the vast majorities of schools opening next week. And for those of us who have kids, we know that schools are an interesting place for colds and flu season to spread and, and bring home and get to others. And so there is a holding of the breath a little bit about what's going to happen with the opening of school in the next two weeks. There's also a lot of, of really concentrated outdoor events that will start in September. And um, while there's um, not yet action on those, those are still in the in expected to happen here as of September 1st. The state fairs, uh, crowded football games, those are areas where there's a lot of fear of what's going to happen with outbreaks when you have that many people crowded together in, in areas. And is that going to spike the outbreak? So at this point, those things are on watch, but they could change the direction of that plateauing and cause it from going flat to, to take another leap to an even higher number or extend. So those are two things to watch with the, with the, the virus itself. Hospitalizations are, are another thing to watch. And at this point, um, all this is changing daily. So you could listen to this two days from now and this could no longer be true. The majority of hospitals have not yet canceled uh, their elective surgeries. And when they get to a point where the majority of hospitals have, have canceled their elective surgeries and we are running out of ICU beds, uh, then I think you're going to say at the governor's office, how do we address the hospital situation? Um, the hospitals uh, being out of beds and having space have, have a couple of issues. One, the high of the cases, but two, they are also having an employee crisis. So as much as you can't open on a Wednesday for lunch or you're having, you, you're the manager at GM of a hotel and you're now working the midnight shift because you can't find anyone, hospitals are now having that exact same problem. Um, and they've been having it for a while. It's concentrated. Um, and they are very worried about their ability to staff. And so it may not be the number of beds, but the number of available staff to service those beds. So those are the things that we're keeping a close eye on in September that could change the governor's approach to say, I'm not willing to, with the current approach was, I don't want to roll back or punish the people who are choosing the right, do the right industry. They're very appreciative of uh, the number of, uh, of efforts that our industry has done, and they do want to work with us, and they know how painful this past year has been. Let's talk about, I think the other thing to really watch from here is, okay, that's where the, the governor's office is. What about the counties? Because in the past, when the governor's not taken action, we've seen some of the counties take action. We do anticipate two to four or five of the counties at some point taking another look at action. That action is going to take the form of one of two roads and maybe both. 
One, looking at vaccination requirements. We've seen five cities so far um, look at uh, vaccine mandates across the US, New York, San Francisco, New Orleans, and then two smaller cities in California. We are taking a look at what they've done and the impact of those so far. It's early yet to really know. And some of the mandates aren't to a point where they're in effect, but they're about to take effect. So they're on watch. And it would not surprise us if some of the more government action-oriented counties, how was that for a, trying to balance a phrase, <laughs> uh, took a, a serious look at, at doing that, given that we're seeing that now on the city level and not just at county levels. So we are keeping a close watch with the usual suspects and trying to have a dialogue about what that looks like. The other is the same county saying, well, if we can't get there on vaccinations and requiring a vaccination mandate, um, should we look at reinstating reinstituting some of the restrictions we had before. Again, I'm more worried in September about county action than I am the governor's action, unless something really out of the expected occurs with schools and hospitals. So um, that's what I know. Um, Lex, that's a lot. So what did I speak to too fast or I was not clear uh, that I could more help our, our members? I think, um, well, one, there's a few questions uh, in the chat, but uh, if I was a restaurant or a hotel, what would be the biggest thing I need to worry about now? Because I think a lot of, uh, you know, supply chain issue was a big deal a month ago. It's still a big deal, uh, but we have the Delta variant uh, and that's uh, that expansion. So if I was a restaurant or a hotel, what do I, what are the top three things I need to pay attention right now as a business? Well, I, as far as the Delta variant very specifically, I think you probably need to stay in tune with your local health department and or chamber and or chapter and be watching for updates about what's happening to me locally. So if you see um, images of your local hospital with tents in the parking lot or other stuff, or you start hearing a lot about school outbreaks and or breakthroughs related to kids in your area, I think those are things I'm like, okay, I better watch my order this week. I better be listening. I better be watching. I'm hopeful none of those things happen. But if you're asking me what to watch for, that's what I would watch for. As far as my business and non-COVID thing, um, I would actively pursue my workforce this month. I think by the end of September, the unemployment issues are no longer going to be unemployment issues. We're just going to have the workforce we're going to have to deal with. And so... Um, who's available, and and by the dust settling in September, I probably need a longer-term plan for my workforce. And it's not just us. I mentioned our, our industry. I was on the phone with construction and other folks. They're not having as high a number because they didn't lose their entire workforce, but they're running 10 15% short. Warehouses are running 20% short. Went to get my haircut. Yeah, I actually paid for the haircut. And they the, 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 the place I went to get my haircut said they were getting slammed because the three other salons that they're affiliated with in the area had to close because they didn't have enough hairdressers. Um, and then I went to, to Best Buy and my Best Buy closed three hours early because they didn't have enough workers. And so this is a across everybody worker shortage. So wherever we're at by the end of September is probably where we're going to be. It's not going to get better for two, three years. So I'd be watching that. And then my supply chain. Um, I'm the port thing's got me a little weirded out um, and because that will actually start affecting product, not just delivery. 
to date, it's not been product problems as much as it's been getting them to your door. And um, if we really start having big supply issues, uh, we might have to get the supplier, uh, the big broadliners on a podcast here in September and say, okay, where do we go from here? But I'm going to keep an eye on that. I would make sure that you have great communications with your three or four best suppliers in the month and say where we're at and, and keep communication going. Did that answer your question, Lux? Yes, thank you. All right, Lisa, you know, I, I try not to read the chats so I can get through everything in my head. And again, I, I, there's probably a reason I played Blue Oyster Colts in the beginning because it felt a little, feel, felt a little uh, like, Bleh. but again, we are plateauing. Business in general has been better for most. Um, and we are seeing a crawl back in the workforce shortage. So I don't know. I think we also have to be aware of the negative. So what it, what it was asked in the chat, Lisa. Okay, I know. think this is probably a re-up of something you've already said, but just to make sure, do you know what the impact is of the New York of on New York restaurants in terms of staffing and business because of their vaccine mandate? I was on the phone with our New York um, counterpart. And I, I think broadly it's early yet. So I think what I what I heard from her, I, I, the answer is I don't know. I could I, I've read the news reports. I read the couple of operators that have been on there. I've talked to some individual companies that are have chains and stuff around that. Um, I think we don't know a hard answer yet. So I'd like to have an answer, but I never want to say things I don't know are true. All right. And uh, if a business decides to require mandates and there's a negative reaction because the because the employee got the vaccine to keep the job, like death, heart issues, side effects, would that be an LNI claim? If I required a vaccine and the vaccine had side effects that were um, going to cause me to be out for a while, would that be an LNI claim? Um, again, I always want to be careful that I don't say things that aren't true. So let's take a note on that one and who asked, and mm -hmm. let me follow up. Lex, that's probably a good answer to put into the toolkits. Yeah, and I think we actually answered that question in the Catherine Morissette webinar. So uh, for those of you watching, uh, go to the toolkit that we referenced earlier at hub.wahospitality.org. It's called the Vas Vaccine and Mask Options Toolkit. And then cl uh, click on the uh, Catherine Morissette uh, uh, replay. And um, uh, she does address this issue, I believe. I know it's not a valid reason for unemployment. That I'm sure of. But I don't know if uh, whatever Catherine said, Catherine's the one with a degree and a brain three times the size of mine. Um, so uh, my guess is that she would, her answer is good. But let's make sure that answer is called out cleanly in the toolkit in any kind of Q&A. Lex, because I do think it's something that people are going to worry about or have their employees ask about. Lisa, what's the next question? The next question was that cases are up. Have, what, are the, what, what are the numbers of deaths in the state? That is a great question because we've been talking about with the governor's office and other folks and health departments, we've been looking at it. Um, the rolling average for deaths in Washington, unfortunately, because of the way they claim deaths, I know this is really an odd thing for me to say, is it's projected to hit um, as of August 10th, a uh, rolling average of 15 deaths per day. Um, and that is well below the rolling averages of deaths that we've seen um, in November through, when did the deaths come back down? I'm looking at them right now, January. So December and January, we were running about, I think coming back down out of it, 18 deaths a day and 21 deaths a day, kind of in early November, end of January, with a peak of 41 deaths per day. 
And so that is one of the things we're keeping an eye on. It's particularly the breakthroughs, but I also think it's one of the reasons you're not seeing the governor's office take more action uh, because so many people are vaccinated that the deaths per day aren't very high. We'll keep an eye on that moving forward and, uh, and go from there. Other well, questions? Yeah, the last thing we have right now is, um, well, it's just two comments really. And it's I think the contrast has me a little bit curious. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, one comment said that any business that mandates vac vaccines will, for entry will lose their business forever. And the other one would be, you know, if we require, if it, we could trade a mask requirements for vaccination, they would leap at that trade. So is there, is there anything that you want to mention? Is there any way you fall either or? I'm reading the, the quote. I think my number one thing right now is to keep the industry open and do everything we can. So for me, the option of masks or closures, I'm, I'm just gonna be honest, it may make someone angry. I don't mean to make you angry. I'm just giving you my honest opinion. The mask uh, trade-off to keep ourselves open was a, was a good trade. I think when I read this uh, quote is, if I require a vaccine for my entire place and no one can enter, could we have the option to ask out, up out of the mask requirement? If that's what you're asking, Brian, I think that's an interesting question. So what I'd like to do is take that back to the powers that be and say, hey, I wanna inspire more people to do this. Is this an option? And so Brian, I think your idea is, is a really interesting one and I will, uh, I will run that by folks to see if people are willing to consider it and we'll go from there. Other questions? It looks like the the LNI question in her her, her uh, podcast it was it would be a claim if you required vaccinations and they did have a reaction to the vaccine. If you want to go back and watch the webinar um, that's on access.wahospitality.org, it's at the forty three minute mark, almost forty four. So you know it's uh, so, so. What's the next question in here, Lisa? I'm, I'm going to count on you, so I I'm not scanning on which ones you've asked me and which ones I haven't. Yeah, this was another question in Catherine's uh, webinar the other day. If you decide to make a vaccine requirement uh, and the uh, projected or the the protected minority status employees all lost their jobs because they didn't get the vaccine, would that be? Are you worried about some sort of impact on or blowback on that? This was actually a conversation we had this morning um, with the. I'll say the powers that be, um, in that in some operations, uh, they've, they're, they're reporting to me that the, the only people that are not getting vaccinated uh, might be Hispanic or something like that. And that's very concentrated in, in people of color. Um, and so I did raise that issue this morning um, of what are the protections? What would that look like? Um, and I think we've started a dialogue. What I, I'll tell you the answer I got back, but please, I'm, it's just the answer I got back. I'm not necessarily buying it nor discounting it. I just don't know. They said, when you look at the number of people percentage-wise who are vaccinated uh, versus the overall number of percentage of people who are vaccinated statewide, they're not seeing a massive difference. I, I do see the quote in here I, I, the, in, from one of our listeners, and I, I'm not disputing it, they could be right. And so I don't know if this is regional. I don't know what this means. And so what I'd like to do is, is raise it and say, I got to be honest, I'm getting a lot of calls from folks saying they would like to do a vaccine mandate if it can keep them open. 
and to be able to tell their guests that we're okay here and they're safe. Good, bad, and different. I'm getting a lot of those calls um, and, and people are trying to figure out what the barriers are to doing that. So I, I will uh, continue to ask about that and, and see if I can't get a good answer. Um, um, Audrey, I really appreciate you posting this information. It's good information for me to have. Um, but this issue just came up yesterday um, and I did raise it with folks today and I'm continuing to, uh, I'll try to get answers throughout. The all right. Other questions? I think those are all the questions we have. Okay. Folks, I know it's tough out there um, and I know that we're going to be working hard um, to help you out. Lisa and Lex are, and, and, uh, and their teams are going to be dedicated to information, to getting information out. There might be some timely podcasts that will come out in September trying to address this. So watch for the urgent. If I'm hoping urgent doesn't break. Um, but if it does, we're going to try to get it out there quickly. And uh, I really would encourage you to Lex's question, look at three things uh, in the month of September. Where am I at with workforce? And because by the end of September, we're going to have for the next two, three years, the workforce we got. And so what is your strategic answer, how you're going to address your workforce? Two, keep an eye out for what's occurring in schools and hospitals in the month of September, those are going to be your canaries in the mine and the mine shaft that will um, indicate where we're headed. And then three, uh, your supply chain. Who can you count on to communicate with you and with your supply chain? Because I think it's going to get weirder in September before it normalizes. And again, I, I the, the what's going on with the ports is 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 making me nervous. I I don't always like hit the the nervous button, but I'm hitting the nervous button on on that. So. Um, your suppliers will have the most updated information and what things will impact you. And hopefully you can find someone on your side that you work with that you can count on to give you the straight story. Because uh, we all have different products. We all have different needs in, in with our suppliers. So those would be the three things I would keep an eye on. Would you like to give us a preview of the upcoming podcast we're going to be launching soon? Oh, yes. Uh, we took a different approach last month. Um, and Lisa, if you want to drop that podcast in here, we took a different approach last month in uh, culture. And uh, and we were hearing from a lot of the HR directors who said I was missing the boat, um, that the big reason, one of the big reasons that they were hearing as HR managers on behalf of our industry is people didn't love the culture or future of our industry. And we were having a hard time attracting ourselves to younger workers. And so uh, we did a podcast on trying to make a culture your competitive advantage and a way to actually keep and recruit and train workers. And we partnered with the Table Group, um, which is one of my favorite authors. They wrote one of my, couple of my favorite books on uh, leadership. I happen to have them on my desk. Uh, so the five dysfunctions of a team and the ideal team player and others. And they came on and talked about how to make culture a competitive advantage. Got a lot of great feedback on that podcast, a lot of great feedback. Um, and so we've talked about doing a 10-part partnership on leadership and development in hospitality. So we'll come up with a really cool, uh, sexy name that will reflect how awesome that Lex and Lisa are. Um, but I think we'll, we'll be doing a 10-part Northwest Hospitality Leadership uh, podcast with, uh, with the table group. And, uh, and we'll be talking more and more about that as we go and trying to get leadership skills and modern day approach to workforce and leading our teams and vision um, and how it applies to hospitality businesses in the Northwest. And we will have 
hoteliers and restaurateurs involved in that podcast. So we're really making it relevant to your life. And so I'm excited. This is going to be um, something moving forward. And I appreciate all the feedback that led us this direction. All right. Anything else before we sign off today, Anthony? Abs uh, uh, no, I think, uh, Lisa, there's some questions from people um, here. And so uh, I'd love, as we have answers um, to some of these things, how we get them back out to folks. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, for the questions that were asked here, and specifically, if you don't see it, Lisa, can they email you and where would they email you to uh, be able to do the follow-up? Absolutely. Podcast at wahospitality.org, W-A-hospitality.org. Um, I'm going to also drop that into the chat. Okay. We will, uh, uh, I know we print the chat out and we will follow up on those questions to try to get that information out to everyone. Everyone, thanks for all that you do. Thanks for inspiring us uh, to have a job that we're passionate about and to work as hard as we can for you, for your success. Good luck in September. It's going to be a very interesting month. Month. I really hope that this is a plateau and we come back down um, and we'll be talking about good things in October. Let's cross our fingers that that's the way it goes. Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org, where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries and the Washington Hospitality Association. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for that effort. Until next time.